Yeah, there's just a lot of politics fatigue, I think, and they just lump that all in the bucket, no matter what not party, not politician. <laughs> no, we are. It, I tell it, you what. It, anybody listening to this podcast does not yeah. have politics that's fatigue. Right, but Stay yeah. tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content. More conversation coming up after this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. Today marks 100 days until the midterm elections. We've got a huge Senate race right here in Indiana. And today we'll hear more of our interviews with Senator Joe Donnelly and his opponent, Mike Braun. But we're also talking about some of the controversies that could come to dominate this midterm election cycle. This week, more scrutiny on the president's inner circle as President Trump lashes out at his former attorney, Michael Cohen, after audios released of the two discussing a payment to a Playboy model weeks before the 2016 election, with Cohen also reportedly ready to give damaging testimony to special counsel Robert Mueller about that meeting at Trump Tower. Then there's the issue of tariffs, with the president visiting a steel plant in the Midwest this past week and also opening up $12 billion in aid available for farmers affected by the tariffs. This as Trump and the EU strike a deal this week, though somewhat vague on the specifics. Also Friday, the president celebrating some new numbers showing good news for the economy last quarter. But what do all of these issues and controversies mean for Hoosiers? This week, I spoke on the record with Indiana Congresswoman Susan Brooks. And Congresswoman Susan Brooks joins me now. So much to talk about in the news. Thanks for being with us today. Great to be here, Dan. I want to talk about these economic numbers out on Friday, showing GDP up more than 4%. But there's also all this talk about, about tariffs and trade and the potential impact on our economy and on the midterms. Uh, in The Hill this week, they wrote it up like this. They said, quote, the Republican plan to defend majority relies heavily on a growing economy. The stock market is up dramatically since the president took office. Unemployment is at uh, near record lows, but the trade war, they say, threatens to undermine this economic growth and the Republican Party's message just months before the midterms. Do you agree? Does this trade dispute threaten the, this growth we're hearing about and also pose a political problem for Republicans? Well, we're incredibly excited about the economy and where it's going and uh, the direction it's moving. As you said, unemployment being record lows. We have far more job openings now than we have unemployed people. Um, consumer confidence is high. People are investing and companies are adding on and they are buying equipment and investing in their employees. But we are concerned that um, if the negotiations go too long and the tariff disputes go too long, it could have a negative impact on this incredible growth. And so that's why um, I, like many of my colleagues, have signed on to letters to the administration and have been in discussions and meetings, whether it's with Secretary of Commerce Wilbur Ross. Um, I know that Jackie Walorski, who serves on Ways mm -hmm. and Means, has uh, because they deal with more trade issues than other committees, have been in meetings with the president directly to really express our concern about um, how long the negotiations might last and whether or not they could be a bit more targeted in different products we are placing tariffs on and certainly um, whether it's in manufacturing or in our agriculture sector. We've heard from a lot of farmers. They're willing to be patient for a while probably until harvest. And you have a lot of farmers in your I district. Do. Uh, I do. do. Do you think the administration is, is getting that message of concern that you and others are expressing? Well, I know they are getting the message because they just recently announced that package 
uh, the aid for, for farmers. The aid yeah. for farmers. And while I appreciate that, um, it's not what I think farmers are really looking for. I, they don't want the aid. They want the markets. They want the commodity prices to be higher. But that is also part of what these negotiations are about. Part of the negotiations are to really try to have fairer, uh, more trade, open up more markets, um, and also to really minimize and to eliminate, if possible, the trade deficits we've had with our trading partners, China being the biggest um, trade deficit that we've had. But I, and I think that uh, the administration is making some progress with the European Union, was pleased to see that. So I think we do need to allow these negotiations to go on for a limited period of time. Um, and if they extend you know, way too long, then I think we're going to have more problems and we won't quite see the growth that we're seeing right now. But I have heard from a lot of manufacturers, not only with respect to you know, the tariffs that are going to be on the products we're exporting, but on their supply chain and things that they need to make their products here and you know, the increased prices for, those, um, for their supply chain. Uh, and then, of course, a lot of farmers, are it's probably their number one concern right now. You mentioned that back and forth with European allies. There's also been a lot of news, obviously, about, about Russia on a number of different levels uh, and a lot of stories in the news this week involving the president. I don't need to list them all, but certainly uh, the recorded conversations, the Russia probe all making headlines ever since that uh, meeting, that summit with Putin. Generally speaking, do you have confidence in the president? Do you think he is setting the right tone for your party? Uh, for the country here and around the world? I think the country elected a negotiator. We elected a businessman. We did not elect uh, a, a, someone who has been in Washington working and has been in the inner workings of government. So we did elect a disruptor, and that is what we have seen. Are you comfortable with the level of disruption been, well, we've seen? Well, I know that I, I do... Uh, I am comfortable with the fact that we are going to, I hope, get some better trade deals with some other countries. Again, though, it's how long it might take to get those better trade deals. Um, and so, uh, and I think we do need to be tough with China, far tougher than we have been in the past. Um, the amount of intellectual property theft that they um, inflict on our country and in different sectors of our economy is significant. And so there are things that we are really fighting on that have a long-term impact on our country. Um, and so I think that uh, you know, the president is certainly doing it in his own style. It wouldn't be my style, the way in which he is negotiating. I understand uh, the fact that there's a lot of controversy around him meeting with Putin. Putin is not our friend. Russia has not been a friendly country to the United States. Uh, I think they side with our enemies far more than they side with our friends. Their aggression into Crimea was uh, a significant, um, I think, significant to, d to democratic countries. And we need to not allow them to continue to be aggressive um, with their border countries. Do you feel the president was siding with, with, with Putin, perhaps? I know he walked some of that back. Well, I think um, he did change his position. Um, myself and other members of the Indiana delegation certainly wanted to make sure that folks back home knew that we were supporting Dan Coats. Your colleague from Indiana, Representative Todd Rokita, called for an end to the Mueller probe this past week on the House floor. What was your reaction to that? 
Um, I was not aware that uh, Representative Rokita did that. I believe that the Mueller investigation needs to finish. Um, so far, there has not been evidence of collusion, um, but and the investigation has been going on for quite some time. I would like to see that investigation end, but as a former federal prosecutor, um, I and as the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of Indiana, where we are, we need to make sure that the investigative um, agencies have the resources they need and are able to um, do their job and do it in an impartial way. We'll have much more of our interview with Congresswoman Brooks on the border crisis next week and also on our website. Up next, look who's coming to the campaign trail here in Indiana, talking about Nancy Pelosi, House Minority Leader. But this week we've learned another Democrat running for Congress in Indiana wants to see Pelosi replaced. We'll have that. Plus, school safety. We're breaking down the numbers on those handheld metal detectors that Governor Holcomb is providing to local school districts. Stick around. This week's top stories as we bring in our panel now, Jennifer Wagner, former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Tim Swearens, a columnist at the Indy Star, Christina Hale, a former state lawmaker and candidate for lieutenant governor, and Rob Burgess, who served as communications director for Republican Congressman Trey Hollingsworth. Thank you all for being with us today. Uh, obviously, less than 100 days now till the midterms and certainly uh, a lot of news that has been building on the issue of trade and tariffs as, as the president finds himself in, in, in one controversy after another. 100 days out, what will we see over these next 100 days? If you'd asked me 100 days ago, what would we, where would we be right now? I could not have possibly predicted the last 100 days, so I'm not going to try to predict the next 100 days. It's been a little bit of a slower week, which has been kind of nice. Um, obviously, some Indiana companies making news on, on the tariff front, but uh, I honestly have no idea. I definitely think there's a Democratic wave building. Um, I think we're seeing that in some of our congressional races and in the Senate race, but I'm not going to make any bets. How will this tariff issue... Uh affect voters here, do you think? It, it's hard to know. Yeah. Because, and I'm, I'm with Jennifer. I'm not going to make any predictions. Right. <laughs> um, and, and that Democratic wave may be building, but we've seen it build and recede. And, it, you know, we go through this cycle and we'll see what happens on Election Day, just how big that wave is. I, th I think the tariffs have uh, the, really, the very real potential to do damage to the Midwestern economy, and particularly Indiana's economy. We're not going to see that damage in, likely until after the 2018 election. Uh, so it's the fear of the unknown right now, and I just don't know how much that will factor in for voters. I have a feeling the two of you might have a different view on whether there will be a, a blue wave this fall. I think it's very likely, and one of the factors might just be how crazy does it get? How much drama is there? You know, what's going to happen? It's interesting to see President Trump pull back on that October surprise of inviting um, Vladimir Putin to our country. There seem to be people chessboarding out what might be happening in this hundred days, and now he trying might to, be invited to Moscow. Yeah, Friday, I mean, it's yeah. very interesting. So, what's that roadmap to victory look like in terms of activity? I think voters are going to want to get off the tilt a whirl of crazy and maybe just vote for people they think are going to be stable, good stewards that want to do good government. Rob, how do voters uh, down in southern Indiana see it? Well, I, I've got to say I have a harder time seeing that blue wave reach Indiana from any coast. And the reason why I do say that is because we're looking at a situation now where it's going to be a turnout game. 
And unfortunately, we're seeing more divisions within the Democrat Party. We're seeing some progressive candidates. We're seeing some socialist candidates. So the Democrats really don't know what boat to board and to be part of that wave. Whereas Republicans, I think CNN just released a poll that showed among Republicans, Donald Trump is the most popular president in the last, I think, since Eisenhower, with 88% of Republicans saying they approve of his job approval rating right now. And so that could really help Republicans turn out in November. The, the problem, though, is Donald Trump is not doing well among independent voters and certainly not among Democrats. Yeah, and I think you, you're seeing a real, a real um, rift in the Republican Party of people who probably aren't even saying that they're Republicans right now. And then you've got these candidates who have to go as, as close as possible to Trump without going over to keep those independent voters. It's going to be a really, really interesting tightrope act to watch. And on this issue of tariffs, uh, here, here's the way indie star cartoonist Gary Varvel drew up the tariff situation, a, a farmer taking an arrow from the president's crossbow with President Trump saying, uh, let me get you a Band-Aid. Gary Varvel, of course, a, a columnist who a couple weeks ago wrote, supporter of the president. Uh, obviously, this tariff situation, is it, does it have the kind of impact that would have uh, Trump, typical Trump supporters looking differently, perhaps, at the president because of this policy? It certainly could. Uh, Carroll County, Indiana, uh, over 70% of voters in Carroll County voted for Donald Trump in 2016. But it's also been identified as a county, one of the, the top counties in the, in the country that could be hit hard by these tariffs because there's a hog, huge hog processing plant there. And, and the economy doing well, there was this news about the GDP on Friday, but also some economists who said the GDP increased over 4% because people are buying soybeans ahead of these tariffs. We'll yeah. see. Markets like constancy. You know, production likes constancy. Manufacturing likes constancy. So we will see all this unpredictability. People might be hoarding right now. We really don't know, but they want to figure out what's going to happen tomorrow, and they don't want to keep riding the, the um, unpredictability of today. I'm old enough to remember when Republicans criticized Obamacare because they said it interjected uncertainty into the market. So it's interesting to hear you talk about the need for constancy. You're right, it's important in business, but depending on who's in charge, uh, you know, that uncertainty well, can be interjected into the market. Let's think of that Varvel cartoon from your newspaper. Gary Varvel is known for being an extremely conservative person. He just defended Trump last week, and here he's showing an arrow shot from President Trump's uh, bow straight to the heart of farmers. Now that's got to speak to people right here in the Hoosier heartland. But I will say, it's really, really hard to convince voters of things that haven't happened yet. Right. It's right. really difficult to say, right. hey, if this and this and this happened, then that happens. Right. They are much more in the moment, and what's happening in early November will probably dictate more than these possibilities. Robin, well said. Is, yeah, and as you've pointed out, different parts of the state certainly view this uh, issue very differently. Absolutely. A lot of farmers in southern Indiana realize that tariffs are not an in-game policy for the United States. This well, is not what our trade policies are going to look like in 24 months or even 36 months. We'll see what so. kind of impact this has on the race for Senate as well. All of this happening in the midst, of course, of this uh, Senate election year in Indiana, 100 days away, as we said. Big Senate race in the Hoosier State, Senator Joe Donnelly and his opponent, Mike Braun. Donnelly this week saying he will take a meeting with Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. Braun taking credit, saying it was the, the Senate race that pressured Donnelly into taking that meeting. While the Donnelly campaign called out Braun for what they call misleading fundraising numbers, including money Braun loaned his own campaign. I sat down with both candidates in recent weeks. We discussed uh, this tariff issue and also the huge amounts of money going into this race. Here's what Braun told me last week. I put a lot of my own skin in the game in the uh, uh, primary. A lot of here. your own money in the primary. Exactly. Will you do that again in the general? It was painful then and it pretty well tapped me out, so I'm doing it the old-fashioned way.
I'm running against a multimillionaire. But the people of Indiana are contributing. They have been incredibly generous. We'll have more of those interviews in the coming weeks. Uh, what do you guys make of, of this fundraising flap and broad, including uh, some of that self-funded amount in his latest fundraising figures, making it look as if he'd outraised Donnelly in the last cycle when, in fact, he didn't? Perfectly legal, but does it, does it look bad? Do voters even care? I think voters will care because it will become an issue in campaign advertising. Um, I did see some of the stories this week, and I didn't see any from, from Braun's side. Um, I don't think people really pick up on this until it's made an issue. That being said, I really see a lot of coverage of Joe Donnelly, whether it's uh, the Kavanaugh uh, nomination or whether it's, it's other things that he's doing in the community. I was meeting with someone this week, a Republican, who said he sees him at all these Farm Bureau meetings. So I think Joe's doing the right things. He's out there on the trail. And I don't hear a lot about Mike Braun. Donnelly saying he'll take that meeting with Kavanaugh because of the pressure from Braun, do you think, or no? I, I don't think so. Not because of the pressure from Braun. I think because he is a senator representing a red state is why he's taking the meeting. I think it's because he's a senator who always does his homework and gives people a fair shot no matter what. He is known for listening to both sides of the aisle, and I think he's just doing his job. Yeah, but if he were in Connecticut, he would not be taking the meeting. I don't agree with you. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, he's playing politics with the nomination. I mean, he didn't take the meeting until an issue was made of it, until people started calling his office and saying, meet with the nominee. And at the end of the day, the best thing he can do for Hoosier voters and Hoosiers as a whole is vote for the nominee. Let's also talk about the race for Congress uh, down in your district. Rob, this week I spoke with Liz Watson, the Democrat running against uh, your former boss, Republican Congressman Trey Hollingsworth, in the 9th District, uh, which has now been shifted to Lean's Republican, along with the race in the 2nd District. Watson this week joining other Democrats, calling for new leadership in her party. Do you plan to support her uh, remaining in her leadership post if you're elected to Congress? I won't vote for Nancy Pelosi because we need new leadership in Washington. I've been out across the district listening to folks, and they know that Washington is broken. They know that it is a system that needs to change. We need new leadership. What I'm going to ask anyone who runs for that position is, what are you going to do for working families? What are you going to do for people in southern Indiana? What are you going to do to solve the problems we face? And I'm going to vote based on that answer. Another Indiana Democrat second district candidate, Mel Hall, running against Jackie Wilarski. Hall also came out this week and said he would not support Pelosi for House Speaker or Minority Leader. In another district where Democrats are hoping to pull an upset, that race also just shifting to uh, leans Republican. By the way, Pelosi will reportedly be coming here to Indiana in the coming weeks as well as these Democratic candidates here in the Hoosier State now grapple with this question of distancing themselves from Nancy Pelosi. It's probably an even bigger question than the Brett Kavanaugh question. I mean, this has been a, a long-time issue. Republicans have demonized Nancy Pelosi, and I think you see some Indiana Democrats, some Democrats in other Midwestern or more moderate states taking this stance. I think it's smart politics. I also think it's smart. I have the utmost respect for Nancy Pelosi, but I think maybe it's time for some new leadership, and I think this will be a winning message here. Rob, how do you look at this as someone who uh, obviously used to work for Congressman Hollingsworth? Well, I agree. She's running against. Obviously, uh, Leader Pelosi has been demonized by uh, the Republicans, and it looks like the left now as well. Um, however, there's nobody running against her for a leadership spot at this point. So it's almost a little disingenuous to say you're not going to vote for her when you have nobody else to vote for. Watson saying she wants to see someone from the Midwest rise to leadership but didn't name anyone uh, specific. You think it's a good good move to distance 
from Pelosi as these candidates are doing? I think it's a good move that she's keeping an open mind and thinking about leadership within our party and where she wants it to go. I mean, she's assuming she's going to win because she's got a lot of momentum behind her and she knows how she wants to serve and what she wants to get done. So I think absolutely it's a good move. I'll give you the final word. I, I, I'd like to hear who she's going to vote for. All right, guys, thank you so much. We'll leave it there. Much more on our podcast as well, including the latest on the Curtis Hill controversy. Up next, as students head back to class, we're talking school safety as we break down the numbers on those handheld metal detectors the state is providing to local school districts. Stick around. The state will provide metal detector wands at no cost to every school that requests them. We will leave it, of course, up to the local officials to decide how best to use the devices. That was Governor Holcomb announcing his plan to provide handheld metal detectors for school districts across the state. With students heading back to school this time of year, we've got some numbers here from the state. Hundreds of Indiana school districts want these handheld metal detectors, the state providing them at no cost to local districts. As of this week, 369 school districts put in requests. That adds up to 3,228 metal detectors. 94% of all public school corporations requested them. Schools should receive those devices in August. Those that did not place an order They'll have another opportunity this fall. By the way, next week is the deadline for the governor's school safety task force. Their recommendations for making Indiana schools safer are due next week on August 1st. And we'll be right back with this week's winners and losers right after this. All right, let's wrap it up with this week's winners and losers. Rob, who do you got? I'm going to say winners right now are the Hoosiers of Indiana. You know, we had a relatively quiet week, and the Senate race is a little quiet, so people are starting to enjoy their summers before school starts back up without having the hustle and bustle of campaign season. That will come later in the fall. Starts next week, school already. <laughs> Christina. Winners, Liz Watson and Mel Hall for thinking strategically. Losers would have to be Papa John and uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, bad week. I think this is maybe the first and only time, but Donald Trump is a winner this week for strong economic news. Jennifer. I'm going to agree with Rob here on and uh, say we are all winners because it was relatively quiet and we all get to, you know, have a lovely Sunday and enjoy it uh, quietly. Hope you all enjoy your Sunday as well. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. Okay, more in focus uh, on the go here as we talk more with our panel on the podcast with Rob Burgess and Christina Hale and Tim Swearens. And Tim, we were talking uh, before we started taping today that this was uh, the first week in, in a number of weeks where there were a lot of things happening, but it, it felt like a slower news week, I suppose, because there wasn't that one dominant thing. You have the Trump-Cohen news making a lot of national news, but um, Curtis Hill hasn't been in the headlines as much. Um, other stories, uh, the tariffs we talk about on the program, um, but not as many earth-shattering headlines as we've seen in recent weeks. It's all relative, I guess, but yeah, it was a, compared to other weeks and uh, what we've seen in recent months, it was a relatively slow news week. What do you think about the Curtis Hill situation as it stands? Is he, um, at, at this point, by not being in the headlines as much, is, is he starting to uh, to to perhaps get some momentum in this this struggle to keep his job? I think 
perhaps it's not so much momentum as shoring up his survivor mentality. You know, he this um, committee to raise funds for his defense was formed. It's still very mysterious. We don't know who's part of that. They're trying to stay very anonymous with this, I think, for obvious reasons. But um, this is going to be a story that plays out over time. Um, how wise that is, I don't know. Could it be career-ending still yet? Certainly still could it could, be. but um, I think it's king of the mountain, and does anyone want to uh, push him off that hill, so to speak? Um, it's going to play out in the next months. Well, I think an important thing to remember, there's, there are two investigations going on right now. There's the Inspector General and now a Special Prosecutor who are looking into what happened uh, that night, and so that's where, it, that's where the important work is being done. Yeah, special prosecutor just named this week. Yeah, you also mentioned, you know, earth shattering. What's really interesting, I think, and we should take note of, it's a rare week in the United States when um, wildflower, wildfires in Greece take up headlines and, you know, space on television. And, you know, we're not hearing about the wildfires coming out of the White House. Rob, uh, you're new to the panel yeah. this week. Uh, what stood out to you in the headlines this past week, local or national? Well, I'd have to sort of, touching back on Curtis Hill, um, I think I'm the first panelist in a long time that's been outside of the Donut counties of Maryland. That's County, right, you're you from know. down in southern yeah. Indiana. Hey, I'm district. a proud region girl. I don't <laughs> tell you that. Don't you that dare. Too. Don't you dare. No, I'm just saying I drove two and a half hours to get here today. Oh. And one of the things that Jennifer we're Wagner not hearing, drove through as much traffic. <laughs> <laughs> she just came from downtown Indy. But you know, it's something we're not really hearing a lot of in the southern part of the state. You know, we're aware of it, obviously, we're aware of the investigations, but and obviously it's a statewide yeah. office, but you're saying it doesn't yeah, not making as much. Coming up in conversation, it's we're getting wide reports in some of our local papers but you know we're not getting the stories and so I'd have to say it's probably something that's more on the minds of Marion County and Donut County voters and residents more than it is on somebody that might be up in the region or somebody in Fort Wayne. I will say it is up in the region yeah. South Bend Media mm -hmm. Market as well you know because Obviously he's a homegrown. Home yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. Re Representative Reardon is from the region that's as well. That's right. a good yeah, right. point. Yeah. So. So as you, from your vantage point down mm -hmm. in southern Indiana, look at some of these other stories making news, uh, tariffs, that's something obviously that affects different parts of the state differently, uh, just because of the different uh, sec sections of the economy that flourish in different parts of Indiana. What are people saying in southern Indiana from your perspective? I think overall, especially in the rural communities in southern Indiana, they realize that tariffs are not a permanent policy for the United States that they're used as a leverage tool to make sure that we have good faith negotiations at the table with trade partners. And we're already seeing that with the EU. You know, we're expecting major soybean purchases into Europe based off that deal. And even President Trump announced some, some stopgap measures that open some sources of funding for you know, families that are being affected by the tariffs in, in the interim until those full negotiations can take place. Well, some economists have even said these strong GDP numbers that came out Friday are because you have countries uh, buying up a lot of soybeans now in case the prices go much higher. Uh, what kind of an impact uh, from your side of the aisle do you think this will have in the midterms, the tariff issue? Um, we'll have to see. I mean, farmers are yet very nervous. Markets do appreciate constancy, and it's anything but constant or predictable right now. So will this come through? Will they be compensated? Will people buy their, their corn, soybeans, pork? 
you know, and these um, measures by some countries, by China too, are very strategic. They're trying to hit the heart of places that might be felt a little bit um, more deeply, like Indiana, you know, the, the home territory of Vice President Pence, you know. Well, China's never been a fair trade partner to begin with in the first place. I mean, they consistently steal our intellectual property and, you know, they're one of the largest markets in the world and we have to fight to get a foothold, let alone well, a but full they're one full of share. our largest markets. They buy our corn, they buy our pork. They're very mm -hmm. important to us. And, um, you know, we can even just go back to the uh, litigation regarding the um, corn and the genetically modified issue and you know, how that impacted negatively our Indiana farmers. That's not so long ago. It's still front of mind for many. And we'll see what kind of an issue that is in the, in the midterms. 100 days away as of Sunday. Uh, it still seems like a long time. It does, <laughs> but it will go quickly. <laughs> It will go quickly. What will you be watching for in the coming weeks here in the Senate race, in the congressional races? The Senate race so far has seemed very quiet for what is supposed to be a very competitive race and supposed to be one of the most important races in the country. On the ground, Indiana, it seems very quiet 100 days out. We had this uh, fundraising flap this past week where the Donnelly campaign um, going through the figures said, well, wait a second, Mike Braun, some of this uh, money uh, that you reported in the last cycle uh, involved uh, self-funded self money given back from, from the Braun campaign. Do voters care about that? I don't think they care thing? a thing about that, to be honest. I think the media care about it, those, those of us uh, who, who cover politics. I think the political consultant class cares about it because it helps you know, give them something to argue about in July. Yeah, there's just a lot of politics fatigue, I think, and they just lump that all in the bucket, no matter what not party, not politician. <laughs> no, we are. It, I tell it, you what, it, anybody this listening to this podcast does not yeah. have politics That's fatigue, right. but, yeah. but 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 the there is fatigue out there, right. I think. Yeah, yes. how is it in Southern Indiana? I'm curious about that too. No, I, I agree. It's been a very quiet Senate cycle, which is unusual. Um, but and Mike Braun, of course, from Southern Indiana, he is down you know, Jasper. Um, but I think what's really on the forefront of voters' minds in the southern part of the state is looking at things that are probably going to take more effect as we go into the municipal cycle. A lot of them are worried about local infrastructure. A lot of them are worried about school corporations. And so we're seeing a lot of local issues become the center of conversation. I think that's going to be a, a focal point. All right. 100 days away. Okay. Well, and, and I'm wondering if both sides are not saying that this, is, this race is really a referendum on President Trump. And we just do our thing, um, don't make waves, don't say something stupid, and that's what's going to decide it. Not, not so much you know, whether it's Mike Braun or Joe Donnelly, it's a referendum on Donald Trump. Well, I think you have a lot of candidates probably that, uh, that know, <laughs> whether they like it or not, that know that this is probably going to be a Trump referendum and that yeah. outside factors are going to play a big role in a lot of these races and you have in the ninth district as we said on the program earlier you have liz watson going up against your former boss trey hollingsworth this week saying she's not going to support nancy pelosi so on the democrat side of the aisle as well you have uh, Democrats perhaps divided over this issue of leadership and what to do moving forward yeah. if the Democrats take back the House. Yes, and I'm curious too about the dis dissonance between what we hear reported in the polls and what people actually do once they go to the poll and vote because 
in 2016, as we know, we had a lot oh, of. It was, off. It was really off. It yeah. was, and we had you know a lot of um, strategists and others going through the psychoanalytics, telling us, well, people just didn't want to admit what they were actually mm -hmm. going to do, mm -hmm. and we also had a lot of non-traditional voters stepping out. Will they come back? You know, what who will the voter up? turnout be like? Right. Who shows up? Right. I'm really interested in that too, because then we'll know, you know. Um, how energized people really are, or is it just that water cooler swagger you talked about? You know, we were talking before we started taping today, you know, turnout's gonna be the conversation all the way through election night. You know, I, regardless of who's the panel on November 6th, we're, the turnout's gonna be the conversation <laughs> all the right. so. What are you doing? Uh, yeah, right? Make the long drive uh, that I'll day, right? I'll now, I don't have any plans. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we'll see uh, what happens in the next 100 days. It will be very interesting to say the least. Rob, Christina, Tim, thank you so much. We'll be back with more next week. Thanks for listening.